Welcome to the Hill Pursuit Podcast, where we talk about training and life. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? This is the Hill Pursuit Podcast. This is episode five. How's it going, Mitch? It's going good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Pretty sweet. Episode five. We're rolling right along. Um, We've had some, some pretty cool episodes and topics in recent podcasts and today we got another cool one um so yeah thank you guys for listening along you know i'm hayden this is mitch and if this is your first time but yeah this is just a you know this is a podcast where we just kind of sit back chat a little bit about um you know training and life and um any and everything in between uh we have a couple outlets you can you can reach us at first of all the podcast is streaming on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Podbean. We have a website, hillpursuit.com. You can access everything, um, everything that we do through that website, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, We do have a daily blog that, you know, Mitch and I go back and forth with uploading some training stories, some um, experiences, different topics here and there, kind of all over the place, but that's kind of what I like about it. It's pretty you know, all inclusive of any and everything training in life. So that's pretty sweet. But yeah, we have a blog on that website as well. And if you guys ever want to reach out to us, um, you know, we have a Facebook and Instagram at Hill Pursuit and, um, you know, hillpursuit at gmail.com for the email. So we love questions. We love comments. We don't get many, but Mitch, we did get one recently. Why don't you uh, tell us about that? Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, the comment came from, uh, he's actually a guy that I know he's going for a Wilmington firefighter. Uh, I think he's, he's in the first couple, uh, first couple stages of the process here. And he just left, I'm just going to read the comment verbatim of what he says. He said, the first time I listened to the podcast, I'm going to take my PAT test for Wilmington Delaware fire. And this gave me the confidence to pass without give up on the test. I enjoy listening to the podcast. Thanks for changing my life. So pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, pretty cool. We, we hope we can help people and, uh, good luck, man, go get it. Um, that's kind of what we're for. If you have a goal, kind of go at it with reckless abandon and, uh, we just keep us in touch too. Don't let this be the last time we hear from you. We kind of want to hear about it as you progress through the stages and that goes for everyone else. You can, comment question on anything that you're kind of going through right now whether it's uh, a job or whatever and uh, we'll we'll kind of reach out to you if we can and help out in any way and touch upon in the podcast yeah absolutely I think it's it's really sweet when you know you pull up your smartphone and you see you have a comment on you know something that people are listening to or reading from us which is it's it's kind of surreal you know such an awesome comment from um, I forget his his tag. What was his tag? His tag is Trucksman9448. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was just really sure cool to see that. Firefighter. Yeah, I saw it was a picture of a firefighter. I knew that, you know, that's that's awesome because, you know, that's our, you know, that's part of our um, demographic. You know, clearly we love talking about and to any and all athletes, you know, tactical athletes included. And that's, that's who he is, which is awesome. So, you know, first of all, thanks for listening. Thanks for the comment. And, you know, we hope that we can continue to give you some, give you some cool, cool stories, cool feedback, motivation, any and everything in between, you know? So um, yeah, that was, 
It's really cool to see that comment. Um, real quick, Mitch, why don't you tell us what a PAT test is? Yeah, so I don't know specifically what his standard was. I know it was his physical aptitude test. So essentially, he was going, he was probably given different um, different events that he had to perform. Yeah. Uh, I don't know specifically what they were for him. He, I kind of touched base with him a little bit about what he had to do. I don't want to say verbatim what it was, um, but you, it's usually different events that probably related to firefighting where he had to go through complete, maybe if there was obstacles or some dummy drags. Um, I've seen some, or read some stuff where that's usually kind of what they use or hose pools. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming that was it. So he, I think that was his first, first round of the testing. Um, and that's just so like uh, a PAT, a physical aptitude is really just a bunch of tasks that are related to expectations on the job, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I think some physical aptitude tests might be very generic too. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've done some where they're very specific as well. So, yeah, so that was, that's pretty sweet because that's, you know, that's right up both of our alleys as well with um, a little bit of the, you know, we both have a tactical interest at the very least and, you know, some experience as well. So, you know, that's definitely something we'll, we should definitely yeah, ask absolutely. about that. Yeah. And we could, yeah, and, I, and it's something to be prepared for if you're going for that field, you know, that, that's, a, yeah. that's a very important thing. I know it kind of sets the tone, I think, for yourself as you go through the processes and um, something that you can train for. And uh, we'll definitely touch upon that, I think, later on. I think that'll be fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, anyway, thanks for the comment, guys. Keep them coming. And hopefully we, you know, can spend the first five minutes or so of every cast just – you know, responding to these comments, reading a couple of them off, um, just interacting with you guys because that's what we want to do. So, but anyway, let's dive into today's um, topic. We're just going to talk about recovery a little bit, right? That's what you yeah. want to talk about? Recovery? Yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk about some recovery. And we, uh... I, yeah, I, I love talking about recovery. I think, um, you know, especially with the, our firefighter comment, I think, um, recovery is super unique. You know, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here, but super unique with that type of population, especially, you know, because, um, firefighters, you know, depending on where you're at, I guess you could be working a 12, 24, maybe a 48 hour shift, you know? So how the heck do you recover from 48 hours straight of, you know, it's not necessarily that you're, you know, your heart rate's elevated for all 48 hours. That's not what we're talking about necessarily, but you're on call and you're ready to, to rip, you know, mm-hmm. 48 hours consecutive, you're ready to go. So that's gotta be crazy to recover from something like that. And, and zero to a hundred, like, I mean, I'm sure they're just kind of hanging out, you know, you wait for that call and it could be, you know, something crazy where you're just very baseline and then you spike your adrenaline and you're just, kind of going full tilt and that's got to be crazy because you get that adrenaline dump afterward and you're you feel completely exhausted you know you'll i think you ride the wave for a while and then you kind of crash and it's like where where can you get back to that baseline that you can keep training you know yeah and that's that's really hard to you know you can't really quantify exactly how long it's going to take to recover from stuff like that or you know but i mean i think 
<clears throat> I would imagine that the more times that you kind of experience that, that sleep deprivation, you're absolutely going to become more comfortable with it. And you're going to realize, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling like this or when I'm, you know, 36 hours in, I know that I have a tendency to drop the ball in this way, whether it's something cognitive or it's something physical, you know? So I think if you put yourself in that scenario, that's really the only way to, to simulate it. And, and that's, that's the hard thing about those types of occupations though, is, you know, you can't, you can't just say, Oh, I know I'm going to be good at 38 hours, 40 hours into a 48 hour shift. You don't know that, you, you know, have no idea what those first 36 hours could be. One day they could be oh, volume super slow. And the next day it could be back to back to back where you're just right. pumping complaints, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, what, what would you say after a 48 hour shift, let's just, you know, call it a generic 48 hour shift, not an abnormal one, but um, what does the recovery look like? I think instinctively, I would say, if you have the time off, sleep as long as you can immediately after, right? I, I don't think you could argue that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sleep as long as you can, as long as you need to now. Sleep you know, and get good food. Yeah. I mean, the, the family dynamic of sleep is, is something that is unique to everyone, I guess. So, you know, mm-hmm. let's say this, this person has their 48 hour shift and they're coming home, you know, kind of like I do sometimes to two little girls running around and screaming and not sleeping through the night. You know, it's, it's easy for us to say, go ahead and sleep as much as you want. But, you know, we know that that's not the case for everybody. So if you can, I would say sleep as much as you can. And then, you know, try to maintain some normalcy as you wake up and, you know, hopefully, you know, your circadian rhythm is going to be completely thrown off, but hopefully you can, you know, get into a groove where, you know, you wake up, do your morning routine, whatever that is with coffee, breakfast, food, you know, whatever, um, hydration, and then try to maintain some normalcy with exercise. And that's where, you know, this concept of active versus passive recovery kind of comes in. Now, you know, that, that was just like a little discussion about tactical athletes, but Mitch, what do you think about, you know, our, our regular or more mainstream sport competitive type athlete in terms of active and passive recovery? What, what does that look like? What do you think about that? Yeah, that was a perfect segue. I think, uh, I think uh, for, um, I kind of thought about this when we figured we were going to go with rest uh, topic for the day. I think active and passive, I, they both have their place. I think they can both be ex- extremely beneficial in training. I think you have to monitor which one you're doing and when you're doing it is, you know, I think there's a time where, hey, a good active recovery, whether you go for a walk. So active recovery, essentially, you're still moving. You know, I think that's, you're still moving, you're getting out and passive, you're kind of throttling back totally. And I think there's a time and place where, hey, you do go for a walk, maybe you have, you drop the intensity and the volume in the gym, but you still are in the gym getting some work done. And then I think there's a times where you kind of just throttle back totally. And uh, we'll, What's your take on either or both of those, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say to the death that I am an active recovery advocate. Like, I don't like passive recovery almost, almost at all. Um, mm-hmm. 
unless of course you're injured or you're experiencing, you know, some severe mental overload where you need, you know, a mental recovery, which absolutely is part of training, you know? So, um, what people don't realize is that, you know, you, you take your athletes into the gym or you get into the gym every single day, but you're not in the same exact mental state every single day, you know, and our mental stress and the stresses in our life, you know, there's ebbs and flows to that too. And, um, that affects your training. So if you come into the, the session with two hours of sleep and you've gotten a huge fight with your roommate and, you know, you just lost $500, you didn't get your deposit back, you know, whatever you have all these mm-hmm. different things that are coming into play and, you know, your coach doesn't necessarily know all this now. Okay. Step back. A good coach should still know all that. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, through, through communication, obviously, but let's say your coach doesn't know all this and you're still, you know, five by five, 85%, <laughs> you know, you might not, you might not even come close that day, but yeah. you might try, you know, you might yeah. still try. So, you know, if you severely overload, um, you know, mentally, physically, or some combination, some, you know, neurophysiological combination of overload, then yeah, absolutely. Take a passive recovery go chill for a little bit if, if you need to. But, um, I like active recovery for in almost every other situation, because I think with good programming, um, you don't need to have, this is another topic we were going to bring up, but I think with good programming, you don't ever need to have a complete day off. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and that's kind of something I've, I've, developed that mindset, you know, not too long ago, like within a couple of years, I've kind of developed that mindset. I haven't always thought that way, but, and you know, it might change again for me or for whoever, but I think with good programming, you can manipulate intensities and volumes. So you can be continuously doing something. Um, Mm -hmm. And even if that something is an active recovery or, you know, a coach might tell an athlete, just go, you know, you like playing tennis recreationally, go play tennis for 45 minutes today. Yeah. You know. And that's kind of what I was going to, I was kind of jump in and say yeah. something yeah. about that too, is, um, I think we kind of dropped, I dropped the ball. So active recovery, do you just kind of want to give a real snapshot definition on active and passive? I may have. Oh um, yeah. No, you did. You did active. You're just still moving around. Um, it's mm-hmm. recreational movement. It's not necessarily like a training session where you have very specific, um, you know, uh, performance metrics that you need to hit. That's not what a, an active recovery session is. An active recovery is essentially just think of it as like a recreational movement. You know, it doesn't, you could just wake up and get on, get on a bike for an hour and, you know, not even break a sweat, just, just get your body moving a little bit. Or like you said, your example, go for a walk, take the dog out for a walk. And maybe if you do that every day, but make the walk a little bit longer, make it 30 more minutes, just so you get just, just movement. That's all it is. Whereas passive recovery is, um, you know, I just say it's sitting on the couch, you know? Okay. And, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to give just a, a real, another good snapshot. You were able to explain it, I think a little better than I was. And I was gonna, I wanted to touch base on what you said too, is the oh, smart programming, and good programming, I think that goes a real long way. And I think that was going to keep your athlete 
fresh where they don't need that passive as much. And uh, I think they, I think the active recovery days also need to be built in. I think it's important where it's, it's not, hey, I'm tired. To, I mean, and there, you're going to have those days where you said, hey, I only slept two hours. Athletes have school. They have a lot of life demands where they come in. You can just tell they're gassed and you just have to totally divert from the what's on the training agenda that day. But I think if you have planned active recovery days in there, I think it will keep them fresher on the days that they're supposed to go at a higher intensity. And because I think if you wait for your athlete to be tired, I think you're already behind the eight ball. Like if, if training is progress, if training has progressed too fast where they're already becoming like in an overtrained state, I think you're kind of behind that eight, eight ball. So if you can say, Hey, like every, we're having like two active recovery days where say they're, let's, let's, let's pick an athlete, say they're a wrestler, right? And they're in the weight room with you all the time. Maybe today they go play like a game of flag football or something, something totally irrelevant where they're still moving and they kind of have that mental break and they're, they're not thinking about their sport. They're not thinking about the weight room. You know, it, it, I think when they come back that next day, I think they come back a little hungrier, you know, I think, and I think we're, they don't even know it. And I think that's as a coach, you can kind of, it's not manipulating. Well, I guess it kind of is. You are kind of manipulating them to like where they feel good and they don't even know what you're doing. And yeah. I think that yeah. is a real good coach. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. I think what, I think what you said is, is perfect where you take them away from their sport, but they keep moving and, they don't have to think about, you know, the intricacies of their sport. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have to memorize their playbook while they're, yeah. while they're moving around, you know, so they don't, they're not thinking about all the strategy involved behind their sport. So that, that takes away the, um, that takes away the mental aspect of, of potentially overtraining um, if they're just, their sport, their sport, their sport all the time. And they're, they're, you know, they're talking strategy and plays and, and shifting positions and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that was, I think you hit that spot on. Um, what was I going to say? I had something related to, yeah, I like that it's planned. I think a coach can plan it, um, Mm -hmm. plan it in and, you know, the word manipulate sounds negative, but it's, it doesn't need to be taken negatively. You're, you're just, you're moving things around. So, so you can keep the athlete's health and best interests in mind. That's all it is. And yeah, that's, that is literally the definition of manipulating things. You're moving it around, not in a negative sense, in a positive sense. Absolutely not. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I also, so you said something I want to touch on. I was at, we might've been at this conference together. It might've been the NSCA that we went to together. I can't even remember, but there was a coach who just talked about, um, what he does on a day-to-day in his weight room. And I think it was, it might've been a division two um, university. I really don't remember. I think it was, I don't think it was division one. I think it was division two, but he had a red, yellow, and green light. Um, yeah, we, remember were that? That con- we were at that conference together. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. You know, it's, he, he was, he was working with, you know, competitive collegiate athletes, but still, you know, young men, they're not professionals. You know, he wasn't Mm -hmm. working in the NFL or, or the NHL or anything. Um, these were essentially just kids that, you know, if they walk into the weight room and they had to fill out, I think it was electronic. So it was super simple for them. They walk in, they answer like one or two questions and then it categorizes them into 
red, yellow, or green, green light, they're good to go with all of their daily percentages and daily intensities and volumes. Yellow light, based on one or two questions, it, it, um, it reduced their intensity or their volume somehow. It was almost like auto set into the program. And then red light, it was, um, they had to like miss the session. And if they had a couple red lights within a certain window of time, it would cue the coach to have a sit down with that athlete um, to discuss what was going on. So I think that I thought that was a really cool idea. Now, I think in terms of, um, you know, how to cue a coach to have a sit down with an athlete, I think that's something that should almost happen daily where you're just, you're getting in the heads of these, these athletes or your athletes and, and figuring out how they're doing, you know, period every day. No, um, let's say it was two red lights in a 10 day period requires a, a sit down with the coach. Um, why not after one red light, like, shouldn't the coach, you know, that's what, that's what I would think. Um, you know, if there's one red light scenario, maybe the coach should recognize that almost immediately and, and figure out what's going on. But, you know, all in all, I think that concept was really, really cool. And it's a nice little snapshot of, um, you know, what's going on outside of the gym, because maybe the coach doesn't have, you know, if you're working with 20 athletes, 10 to 20 athletes, and you have an assistant or two with you, you know, you might not have the 10 minutes at the beginning of your session to, to figure it out with everybody, you know, so getting that quick snapshot of red, yellow, green, I thought was really, really cool. Um, what do you think about programming complete off days, complete off, like putting that into the program, nothing happening today. What do you think about that? I think there's a time and place, you know, I think there's, I think there's some sports and I'm not, I mean, all sports are a little different and most they're all have their level of intensity, but I think there's some sports that, you know, I'm thinking of some tournament, like they said, if there's a tournament for some different sports where you are just, you're grinding your body, like, uh, like two or three days and, you know, and you get to that fourth day that you're finally off, whether you had to cut weight and, or you were, you were exposed to like some, some outside elements. It was hot. Maybe that fourth day is just a day where you just kind of rest. You get some nerve, you get some nutrients back in your body. Kind of just maybe maybe some recovery in terms of like some. And this we could go on and on about different recovery methods. You go into the training room, get some different maybe some ba- bath, um, different like an ice bath or whatever have you. You know where you're kind of you're totally throttling back. I mean, you're I guess technically you're off but you're still kind of geared. You're still kind of looking at your sport and recovering for your sport. Yeah. So for that. Yeah, I agree. Especially. So that's a, that's a good example of how a, how training seasons are different. So, or sports seasons are different. So when you're in season, um, Mm -hmm. you know, with a wrestler, football player, whoever, you know, you have to kind of cater that that week or that small block around their competitions and i think you're exactly right let's say a wrestler has four matches that all go the distance in a single day brutal (laughs) you know completely destroyed they could be completely destroyed so um yeah that's that's a little different than you know the off season for example you know so where the off season i would say i would go i'd fall back to intelligent design intelligent program 
uh, programming would, would lend itself to not really needing days off. But I think that scenario you just laid out is, I mean, absolutely. And that happens all the time, especially during a competitive season or during the, the sports season. Yeah, these athletes might need day or days off. Absolutely. Like, look at a, f- a football player, you know? Yeah, they're not doing anything. Play, there's a reason they play one game a week. Yeah, absolutely. They're not doing anything the next day, maybe maybe two days potentially, mm-hmm. you know, um, before so they – Let's talk just... about the offseason. I think you brought up a good point. I think I, I went to a severe or a pretty extreme case with, like, a wrestler that just dropped a bunch of weight, but – let's touch upon like the off season where you're kind of trying to build that athlete up. What, what do you think? In terms of rest? Like a complete off days. Yeah. So say you have that athlete. Um, so you have them seven days a week. So you have access to that athlete seven days a week. Um, what, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. So for, for me, my, my brain would. It's very general. Yeah. Very general. If I've had the athlete for a season before an entire calendar year before, then I'd be very comfortable with seven days of movement and one or two of them could absolutely be active recoveries. Um, if I've never had the athlete before, I'd be very careful. Um, I would program some complete off days just to make sure I can communicate with them for a few weeks to a few blocks of training to know what they can handle physically and mentally. Um, you know, if their first off season with me is the first time I've ever worked with them, then yeah, I'd absolutely be a little more, um, a little more careful in that scenario. I know the athlete, they've been with me multiple seasons. I'd be fine with no days off and active recovery in terms of their, you know, quote unquote rest, not really rest, but active movement. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. And I, and I think for active recovery, I try to think of myself and I think I've I went on the point where, oh yeah, I'm getting some active recovery in, but I'm done with my, I'm done with that active recovery day. I just, you can't see me, but I just put that in quotes and I crush myself. Like I'm doing something different. So I think it's active recovery. And when I'm done, like I did not do anything beneficial for myself there. So say, say, okay, say I, I, I'm, I'm primarily in the weight room and say, okay, I'm going to go for, uh, I'm going to push my sled today for active recovery. Great tool to use for active recovery but not if I bury myself, <laughs> right? you know what I mean? So you can go to the extreme of, Oh yeah, I'm getting some active recovery in, but that also has to be done and be smart with. So, and I think you can, you can do some active recovery too, where it shouldn't even technically be really training. So say you just go through a mobility session, a 20 minute mobility session. I can still put that as active recovery, but it's not really, it's not really a training session. It's something exactly. just, yeah, yeah. Doing, we should be doing regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't look at it as like a, a day to improve your vertical jump necessarily. It's, you can't see that you, it, it might, right. Mobility absolutely can improve your vertical right. jump. That's not what I'm saying, but you don't see the direct correlation from doing 20 minutes of yoga to improving your vertical jump necessarily. But, um, but I think that speaks to the, um, the importance of a mental, uh, refresh as well. But while, while you gave a, a cool example of, you know, murdering yourself on the sled. I'm going to give an example. I think I wrote about this once in our blog oh, a little while ago, but <laughs> I had planned to have an active recovery day. Um, and I was in a hot, super high volume run block. And um, my active recovery was on the bike or the trainer. And um, 
I got on the bike and I started, I started moving around and within five, 10 minutes, I realized that I was feeling pretty darn good. And, um, you know, I actually ended up taking, taking the rest of that, you know, about an hour long session and just obliterating myself because I thought, I thought during the first five to 10 minutes that I was feeling good enough that I would, um, just continue pushing myself. So, um, I actually ended up in those, you know, in those first few moments of my active recovery session, I ended up, um, making a decision that actually ended up crippling me for the next few days, because, you know, you feel good. Those first few moments of an active recovery, quote unquote session, and you make the wrong decision really early on to push yourself. And that can, that can have a really negative effect, um, on, you know, that specific session and also the rest of your week. So rest of your week to maybe even longer. So I think it's really important that when you start an active recovery, who cares how good you're feeling, how good you're feeling during an active recovery session. Don't abuse that active recovery. Mitch gave an example, you know, the, the sled thing. And, uh, you know, I've done that too. I've completely obliterated myself when it was supposed to just be an active recovery session. So I think that's really important. What else you got? No, I think it's just staying disciplined because it could be a planned active recovery day where, Hey, I'm feeling real good. And you know, you could just crush this trip a session, but you got to step back, think of the big picture of your program. Yeah. And, um, I think that's important. And then, uh, I know there's, we kind of, I put this in, uh, kind of what we wanted to talk about different tools to that coaches or personally we can use to kind of monitor recovery and how you're feeling. We talked about the red, yellow, green, and then there's also different ways. And that's a, and also as a coach, you also, as the athlete too, because we probably have some athletes talking that requires honesty out of them. You know, they could, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'd probably be the guy that checks how are you feeling? Zero to five. I'm checked five every time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, which isn't good. And that, I mean, how's a coach supposed to know? Well, obviously you walk around the weight room, you might see, okay, they're moving way slower than normal. Um, but I mean, there's different ways to test like heart rate. I know the heart rates away. You talked about that before. Hang, grip strength for the day is I know some, some ways people test um, how recovery is. Cause I know personally, if I'm fatigued, I'll grip up like on a barbell and my grip strength feels pathetic. And, um, I don't really think about it. I think it's going to be up and down. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that stuff? I think it's, I, I, I agree that some athletes, you know, you might have an athlete that would just say green, 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 green all day long. So I think it's important to almost establish something more specific than just um, red, green, yellow. Mm -hmm. But I, I like the idea of that, but I think it needs expanded a little bit. Like how many hours of sleep did you get last night? And if they say something, you know, less than six yeah, right paired, paired with high volume of their training block, mm -hmm. whether or not they tell you green, you know, they're not green, you know, yeah. they're not green. Exactly. So I think you can, I, I like the red, yellow, green a lot, but I think you can um, pull back from it and get a little bit more specific just to, um, just so you know, without them needing to be honest, because like you said, not everybody's going to be honest. Like, you know, there's a lot of athletes who are just going to go in and want to 
you know, crush their session every day. But then on the flip side, you might have some athletes who just say red every day because they're lazy and they just have a lot of God given talent that maybe they just don't have to work as hard. And so they don't want to, you know? Um, but yeah, I like all that stuff. Heart rate's probably my favorite though. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it comes back to is how big of a group are you working with? Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're some of these massive division one schools, you know, that's the organization has, I mean, I've never worked at a massive division one school. I'm not going to yeah. claim that I have, like, I mean, I'm sure the organization has to be crazy that they have to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think the, the smaller group you have, the more specific you can get. And I don't think, I don't think going down either side, like, Oh, they're good every day. Like push, 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 push. And I don't think you should also go down the rabbit hole of, Oh, we need to monitor every day to a point. Oh, like you said, their grip strengths, eh, it's like around the, well, I don't know what the numbers are. I don't use that, but say it's like around that, whatever the baseline is, I think, oh, we're not going today. I think you can kind of, you can go too far in either direction. Yeah. 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 Well, I agree. That was a cool topic. I like that one. Um, I'm hoping that, you, you know, if you're listening, you get, you gain something from, from this uh, rest recovery, active, passive discussion. I think it was, um, it's a very important topic. I think, um, a lot of athletes don't know how to use this the right way. So if you have questions specific to you about how to use this the right way, how to use rest and recovery, let us know. I mean, um, you know, our, our email is hillpursuit.gmail.com. We would love to get some questions from you guys about some of this stuff. So if you have questions, let us know, find us on, um, Facebook and Instagram at Hill Pursuit. Um, the websites hillpursuit.com. So uh, read the blog podcast links are all in are all on the website hillpursuit.com. So find all of our stuff, find all the things we're everywhere. Um, and we want to continue to interact with you. So let us know what you think. Ask us questions. What else you got, Mitch? I'm going to just piggyback, keep leaving comments, questions. We'll take anything. You know, if you have something that's working for you, we want to hear about it as much as maybe you learn from us. We want to learn from you guys too. I yeah. love hearing people's stories. I love hearing success stories, no matter like just different walks of life. Um, and read the blog too. Sometimes we'll piggyback from the podcast, but sometimes we also offer some stuff from the blog and talk about some different things. But from that, we're out for episode number five. Y'all have a good weekend. Yep. See you next time.